got a it's just there's just two of us here it's a very empty studio if you picture the metaphorical studio that we record in because i am joined by one guest and one guest only that guest is harris hey it's me harris i produce the show and we decided to keep the riffraff out yeah they we can see them outside the bouncer is not letting them in don't you dare. Don't step in. Don't you dare let them in. Our bouncer is a shield guardian, so good luck getting past that guy. Uh, we are here because we're going to do we're gonna do a real quick loosey-goosey recap. Uh, we know that listening to 30 hours of a podcast can seem like a daunting task uh, from personal experience when we were trying to write a recap. So, <laughs> so, it's too real. Uh, so instead of that, we're just gonna we're just gonna give you the lowdown. We're gonna let you know what you missed, so that you can get back into the show quickly for the new year, which is when this will probably come out. Yeah, yeah. This, if everything goes to plan, happy new year, first week of the new year. Uh, we figured that there might be some new listeners coming in off the holiday specials and stuff. Um, and yeah, as Josh said, we want to um, you know, going back and listening to all of the podcasts to get back into the campaign story proper. Uh, it's a bit of a daunting task, so we wanted to quickly fill you in with a very, very quick bite, catch you up. Just a There's little, going to be a lot of specifics that we're just going to leave quick off bite. the table. Just a little snack. Yeah, if you're going to be, uh, you know, for grazing, <laughs> it's not going to fill you up. You will still be hungry at dinner time. Think of us as, um, you know, university journalists. We're not quite there yet, but we got the who, where's, when's, what's, yeah, and our hearts in the right place. So, Josh. The story of Lost Cause, where are we? What's a cause? Well, cause is the world we find ourselves in. Uh, it, is, it is not Earth. Ooh. It's a different place entirely. Ooh. With <laughs> magical creatures, mystical beasts, powerful dictators, uh, fantastic dragons, and magic, as far as the eye can see. Magic. It's a crazy fantasy setting where there's a whole bunch of stuff rolled in there. Do you like fantasy? Do you like sci-fi? Do you like drama? Do you like comedies? We got it all in Coz. We got it all. But Joshy, Joshy, my friend, <laughs> please tell me whereabouts, you know, Coz, that's a planet. Whereabouts on Coz does our story take place? Well, thank you for asking, Harris. Uh, <laughs> we... We find ourselves in Puaha, a elementally cursed desert. So there's lightning, there's pools of acid, there's bursts of random bursts of flame, uh, freezy sections. Even though it's the desert, there are big chunks of it covered in ice and snow. Uh, and then just like a huge, infinite lightning storm off in the distance. But we'll probably get there at a later date. Oh... This was specifics given early on in the podcast that I forgot about, and oh boy, that's scary. But Poaha, this crazy desert country that we find ourselves in, whereabouts specifically? Let's continue to drill down with the questions here, here Joshy. Whereabouts does the story take place in the first 30 episodes of this podcast? Oh, asking the, asking the tough questions. Uh, really putting me to the fire. Uh, <laughs> it's Titan, of course. A horrible city run with an iron fist by five dragonborn figures. Yeah, it's fantasy 1984. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's a, a, great it's a way pretty to put it. clear way to put yeah. it. 
Um, they're, yeah, the Pintorum members, the very, very powerful uh, five draconic heads of this city uh, run this totalitarian state with an iron fist. Uh, propaganda is alive and well here. Um, it's not a grand old place to live. All the currency is controlled by them, so people can't even really leave if they want to. There's a whole bunch of horrible stuff to it, but yeah. Fantasy 1984. That's yeah, where we if are. your neighbor goes missing, you're not. Just don't ask about it. Did you even have a neighbor? It's unclear. You don't remember. The records certainly don't show it. Um, uh, and, and in this lovely setting we find ourselves in, this highly positive totalitarian setting of Titan. Positively totalitarian. Sandstone city. <laughs> um, who, who are the characters of this story? Well... We have who are our protagonist antagonists? <laughs> our pro, our professional antagonists are uh, Halcyon, Halcyon State Raised, Halcyon State Raised. That's me. That's who I play. I can do the voice great, but I'm gonna do everyone's voices. <laughs> Amazing! You've committed to that. Okay, cool. Uh, uh, what's uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Halcyon? Halcyon is a little goblin man. He's an older goblin man, uh, and he is a um, pencil pusher to the 18th degree, umpteenth degree, mm. to several degrees. Uh, he has spent his whole life in Titan and works uh, for the Halls of History, the propaganda-driven museum uh, of Titan. Um, he is drunk the Kool-Aid. He loves the city. He loves the Dragon Queen, the god in which the city prays to. He is a real piece of work to deal with uh but he is he's got redeeming features i think <laughs> he's had a hard life i think it's hard to know <laughs> eventually you'll love him this is harris's catchphrase yeah. for his character you don't now but you will yeah this he's 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 tough to be around for a lot of the other characters but there is um yeah a goblin uh, he is a goblin bard um, he is a bard of eloquence, so he uses his words uh, to magical benefit. Um, but basically, yeah, he has long set goals to climb the ranks of the pin system in the city of Titan, uh, which ranks the quality of citizen. So again, just a real fun city. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's much more to say about Halcyon other than, yeah, he's a little goblin man, older, loves the Dragon Queen is a piece of work. You won't like him to begin with, but you'll love him in the end. Uh, and he has the very noble uh, profession of re rewriting history. Uh... Yeah, he keeps track of the, um, uh, in the halls of history, making sure all of the displays are up to date uh, with the most recent knowledge that we have uncovered, which in Bois is the most recent knowledge that benefits the goals of the Pentorum there. Again, very 1984. Uh, next in our roster, we have, I'm so excited to hear you do this voice, Squeeb? Squeeb! Yes, up here! This is what Squeeb sounds like. Well, Squeeb. sounds like this. Uh, Squeeb is Bodian, which is a race that we made up for the show, because uh, our friend Kale, uh, who, again, could not get past the bouncer, so he's not here today. Um, he wanted to play a cockroach boy, so we made a cockroach race called Bodians, uh, which is based off the scientific name of Bodians. 
I mean, of cockroaches. Anyway, uh, he is a... I didn't know that. That's yeah. cool. Um, I basically just ch- chunked out the middle section of the scientific name and then put the ends together. Um, he is a teen Bodian wizard. Uh, he is running a little jewelry store in the city and studying magic on the down low because Bodians not treated very well. What? Racism? In my D&D? Crazy. Coming from a Maori living in New Zealand? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> but how would I have the experience to write about such a nuanced topic? He is an, a lowly, 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 lowly INTS citizen. He is also a Bodian, so he's not treated particularly well. Uh, but our dear friend Squeeb has a little secret because he has his hands on a book that teaches a very strange, very unheard of type of magic. He has the ability to bend and fold time itself, though he's only an apprentice wizard. We'll see as our adventure continues if that gets him into any kind of trouble later. I'm sure messing with the laws of time won't lead to any shenanigans. There's, there's a potential argument that it's already got him into trouble and we just aren't aware of it yet. <laughs> also true. <laughs> yeah, well, when you have a character who can freeze time, you get up to infinite amounts of trouble, in theory. Uh, anything else that I've missed for Squeeb? Uh, he, his jewelry shop is on the back of a giant lizard, uh, a friend, uh, a pet of his. Oh, Foresight. Uh, That's right. His name is Foresight. Um, he also, yeah, he, he, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, we love Foresight. Foresight is great. That's Squeeb. Foresight is great. Uh, Next up, another voice I'm excited to hear you do. A desert guide, desert wanderer, and human warlock named Crixia. Uh, (laughs) immediately Uh, wrong Crixia Crixia it's kind of Eastern European it's down low it's a hard one to do for Harris Lexus does it better there's also like there are certain things that sound like they're pronounced French maybe I don't it's a hard accent the desert is a weird place this character is played by Alfred Lexus again could not get it past the bouncer um who is a as a player huge fan of secrets so surprise surprise this character a ton of secrets like the fact that yeah we don't know too much (laughs) yeah it it took us about i don't know 20 odd episodes to learn uh lexus's class learn that crixia was a warlock um there's still plenty of other secrets involved the main things that we have uncovered about this desert wanderer um, is that she uh, lives near the city, but outside uh, in a tent with a giant, horrific demonic monkey who uh, is affectionately called Giggles, um, is a pet and should not be kept as a pet. Uh, we have also learnt that um, Crixia took part in some form of a resistance that tried to take part, uh, that tried to occur within the city of Titan sometime prior to the campaign starting. Uh, I think other than that, she's just like, she's just, she just won't go down. She's the only combat focused character in the party. And we are so grateful for that. Yes. Incredibly uh, clutch. Uh, also, minor detail is a warlock to a fae adjacent Gulkatan, the Wanderer. Uh, 
Yeah, Kulkatan being made entirely of sand. It seems like. Well, that's just how he presents himself in the you know physical space around you guys. Because he's not in cause. He's hanging out somewhere else, which is not a big deal. Whatever you say, mate. Thing that brings us to, of course, the fourth and final member of our party: Iron Tear Citizen, Lounge Singer, and Beast Hide Shifter Rogue. Eritrea is the full name. Tria, I'm up here. I'm up here and I'm a lounge singer and I'm Tria. I, I wish words could convey the face Harris had to make to do that voice. <laughs> I wish they could, but they can't, listener. I'm so sorry. I, um, yeah, Tria is a, 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 did you say a rogue? Did I did you say, say rogue? rogue. Tria is a lounge singer rogue who's been in the city for some time, uh, unhappily. Um, for she arrived with her partner, uh, Fitch, who, boo. Boo, who's just a real piece of shit. The uh, episode where the party meets Fitch, she manages to antagonize every single member of the party in a, like one conversation. Fitch, we ain't a fan of him. Um, we know about Tria that she has been kept in the city. Uh, for love of her own children which were uplifted from her and put into state schooling so again this city's real real chill um fitch being kind of being the reason that that happened um i believe after she had left him to care for her children um in addition to that because of that as well for a good chunk of the uh, start of this campaign, Tria and Halcyon did not get along. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Someone that really doesn't like the city and someone that really does didn't really enjoy the, each other's company. Uh, but they were forced to work together. Um, what else is there about Tria before we start talking about how they were Well, for anyone together? who doesn't know what a beast hide shifter is, basically, Tria has the ability to embody animalistic traits. Uh, and early on, we decided that just meant she could turn into a full bear. Yeah, because, I mean, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Come on, if you if you don't think that that's cool, get out of here. Yeah, rule of cool. Maybe the number one rule at a D&D table. So, yeah, we were all forced, these four characters were forced to work together. Well, not forced, but they were offered to work together after they all had met... The deer, um, the weaver, who is a mm. eccentric... Archmage Drow Elf who lives in a city perpetually baking in the sun and is a figure that enjoys dark and cold spaces, he has to make his own fun. Uh, and that fun revolves around getting innocent civilians to do needlessly complicated puzzles just to see him, which is something our party had to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about those. And man, they suck. <laughs> But yeah, our, our characters all ended up uh, of of their kind of their own volition after all being spending a a night, um, an evening at a bar that burnt down. We all kind of managed to make our way uh, to Vidir's tower, and Vidir offered the group of main characters, the party themselves, uh, a mission, the big one, um, with specific rewards for for all of us, things that meant a lot for each character. Um, uh, again, through secrets, a lot of those things we still don't really know what they mean or why they mean uh, things of importance. Uh, but 
foreshadowing things like that um but yeah what what was the mission uh, old Joshy boy that Vidir gave the us. The mission was suitably vague when it was given out to all of you. Effectively, there was a big vote. The five people who control the lives of thousands and thousands, the Pentorum themselves, are having a big vote. And uh, Vidir, for reasons unbeknownst to the party, wished to know which way each Pentorum member would vote. And in return for that, they would complete, for each Pentorum member, that counts as a task. If they got a yes or no from every Pentorum member, that would be five tasks complete. And he has one sixth and final task, uh, which has not been revealed to the party as of this time. But once the party does all these things, they were promised an incredible amount of money, as well as an upgrade, sorry, two tiers worth of upgrades of citizen status in the city. Halcyon, for example, would go from copper to gold, which would put him among the elite of the city even not playing that makes me shudder with anticipation (laughs) Uh, and and then as you mentioned everybody gets a secret bonus gift Uh, something personalized which shows both that uh, there is extra reason for them to want to succeed and also that Vadir has a way of finding out information about people and when we uh, agreed to this the rewards laid out to all of the characters were so great everyone was eager to get involved uh there was a stipulation put in that we all needed to work together no one could attack each other or kill each other because Halcyon being a representative of the city was i mean i was unsure about dealing with all the lower tier riffraff but we had that sorted and we all set out on our path currently where we stand we've achieved kind of two and a half so, Joshua Boy, who are the Pentorum members we've gone and seen? Priltash is the uh, black-scaled, like inky black-scaled Pentorum member who is in charge of faith in the city. The party was tasked with bringing that dang cathedral down, the temple, the house of worship for the god of everyone who lives in Titan. And... That was their task from her. And how did that go? Fantastic. So, yeah, the Undying Cathedral, the greatest, uh, th- the most glorious building in the entire city, a giant uh, testament to the faith of Titan towards the Undying Queen. Uh, Priltas, the Pentorum member, wanted us, as, as Josh said, to destroy it, to galvanize the faith of the populace. So we had to make sure that no one knew about that happening. Um, We collectively worked together to make sure that this would happen. We were given explosives to do so. We arrived, found the place empty, but found a, uh, an important kind of priest uh, who had managed to hold firm. And he was confused as to why there was no one there. Um, a fight ensued and Halcyon managed to convince this priest in a religious fervor that he was meant to die there and it was for the, the, what the Dragon Queen would have wanted. So really, they didn't even really blow it up. He did. If anyone asked, it wasn't us. And that convincing was useful because that single zealot was incredibly tough. Yeah, Halcyon's at the party. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, so with that, with that success nicely done, we decided, to well... The to get in here, correct Harris, but they simply cannot. That's a real, that's a real reason why I'm getting this in. Getting, getting this recap in without them. Halcyon's the hero of the story, everyone. Um, no, he's not. He really isn't. Um, 
the uh, yeah, so so with a reasonably fast success from quite a large undertaking, the party were feeling pretty uh, yeah pretty good about themselves as they moved on to the second uh, task with um, Tildris. That's right, the Green Dragonborn head of education, the bookish, educated, and incredibly rude. Uh, member of the Pentorum with mint green scales, elaborate scholarly robes, and just the like an insurmountable attitude, basically. Uh, <laughs> the party were given a task. Uh, the task was to find a barrel's worth of spell ink that had gone miss- missing right from under Teldris's nose. But uh, that got complicated quickly, I believe. Yeah, the party started to do um, some investigating, and we quickly learned that we were really bad at that, um, especially um, <laughs> because we had to investigate some rather frustrating characters. Um, we didn't quite find a resolution or an answer because the party seemed to think that uh, Taldris had made the whole thing up purely to make uh, the deer look bad, the employer. She does not have a positive relationship with the deer. So that was kind of a half tick for the party, where we think we have successfully reached an outcome, but unless we make a decision with Taldris, uh, it doesn't show up in the stat sheet as a W, let's say. I mean, so all there you is guys discussion need to do is... around maybe framing someone or potentially going back to that sort of stuff, but yeah. We shall, yeah, we shall see. The options are the, there are two options on the table, and they aren't looking great. To confront her and accuse her of not having had the ink stolen at all, or uh, to frame somebody so effectively that Taldris cannot deny you've found the correct person. So while the party thought about that, we ended up having to go have lunch with the scariest? Question mark? of a bunch of very very scary characters yes Uh, we met ombok the opalescent scaled like a real like workhorse of the pentorum they are in charge of security they're a one woman army uh, a paladin of the undying queen who uh, effectively asked the party if they were willing to die Yeah, yeah. After the um, the fall of the Undying Cathedral, uh, Ombok was feeling a bit of pressure on security, having let that happen, uh, not being made aware by Priltash that this was her plan. So, wanted to make a quick and wide show of the strength that she still had leading the security, the Pentorum Internal Compliance Officers, uh, the Piku Guard. Uh, of Titan. Uh, she wanted to put on an event, uh, a Titan Games, a gladiatorial affair, and she wanted us to partake in this to make the guard look good and to make them look as good as possible. We had to die. <laughs> we would be resurrected. She did assure us. And if it wasn't for the fact that earlier in the campaign, Halcyon had been given a magic ring that meant he could tell if someone was telling the truth or a lie. We wouldn't have probably trusted her, <laughs> but she did tell the truth, so we set that in motion. 
and and then the Titan Games came along. But a few little details before the Titan Games. There's a few other sort of side characters in this story who I would be remiss to miss out. We had Prudence, who owned the purple worm that was burnt to the ground right at the start of the story, uh, who was later found by uh, Tria, uh, who is a friend of both Tria and Crixia, two members of the party, and we also found out a member of the Old Resistance, uh, and is currently trying to start a new one. The last radiant glimmer of hope that perhaps the Pintorum will be removed from their throne. Uh, we also met uh, a small... Uh, we, we haven't even met them, technically. Just a programmed illusion of them, of a old Bodian wizard named Squinton, who is supposedly the father and founder of Time Magic, who has uh, acted as a mentor of sorts for Squeeb throughout his many time-based shenanigans. He's basically magical Clippy from Microsoft. Like, hey, it looks like you're trying to cast a spell. But if um, Clippy was also a little sarcastic at times. <laughs> perhaps you should have studied or done more work before getting yourself into this situation. Uh, Is there anyone, anyone else you're addition, missing? Anybody that's particularly important to you as a player, Harris? Or... Nah, no one whatsoever. No one no whatsoever. One. No, I, no. I, I, I just, there is a character who works within the Titan archives, a lizard folk woman named Celia, who seemingly, for some reason, is very infatuated with uh, a little goblin that is Halcyon. Halcyon hates this woman and has, on multiple occasions, expressed the need and desire to somehow use laws to get her killed or removed from her <laughs> position. Um, it's a largely antagonistic relationship, which, to be honest, doesn't need to be as antagonistic as it is on Halcyon's end. But, for um, hashtag Celsion? No, no. I, for it, the, the, the community has really gotten behind hashtag Celsion, and I hate it. Uh, I love it as a player, as a character when I play the character. Man, I hate it so much. I hate it so, so much. <laughs> uh... Um... And so we find ourselves at the Titan Games. The Yeah, I think that that is everyone of importance currently. Because as we approach... Oh, oh. no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You need to, you need to fill the party in with our favorite oh, yes. spy slash ice cream salesman. <laughs> the, sorry, the, I forgot to mention the fifth member of the party. Uh, Riz Berillion, <laughs> ice cream vendor... Uh, all around good listener and super spy potentially who during perhaps the 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 pinnacle of the uh disagreements between Halcyon and Tria where Tria brutally struck out and kicked Halcyon um Squeeb quickly retreating under a nearby comfortable bed used a spell to level and calm everyone's emotions so that they could try and grow as a group, form a more cohesive adventuring unit. And unfortunately, a nearby ice cream peddler was caught in the range of the spell. He patiently awaited at the door as the party shared some of their deeper, uh, their, their traumas, their growth. They, they shared a lot, of, a lot of growth as a group, and Riz was happy to share in that growth, even if the party was not happy that he was sharing in it. Uh, they confronted him afterwards as they found something inside his ice cream cart that wasn't ice cream. 
Yeah, we 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 found that he was chilling out his ice cream with uh, ice methods, which are small little elemental demons. So the party um, blackmailed him into becoming a spy for them. There's a lot of ice cream salesmen around. We had their secret. Uh, so we let them know that they worked for us now. Unfortunately, we did that outside, and the city of Titan has listening posts. So probably, probably Titan powers know about that too unfortunately now but yeah so that's pretty much everyone of importance uh, as as we the party headed into the titan games yes big thank you for reminding me of riz Barillion, fifth member of the party i forgot about yeah important second. important the most important character. <laughs> easily um the final boss bbeg maybe the real hero of the story <laughs> question yeah. mark um uh, unfortunately riz was unable to compete in the games he had a prior engagement so the rest of our party headed towards the titan games where they were to face down their effectively three rounds of enemies that represent the dangers of the puaha desert there were sand uh elementals uh, the little sand methods who just like their ice method cousins are ferocious and they can fly and also on death they can blind potentially uh this uh, round went pretty smoothly for the party i'd say yeah we we smashed it we smashed it um and we uh well <laughs> it's w- worth worth pointing out that during the titan games we couldn't be uh, recognized as titan citizens so we had disguises we disguised ourselves in fluorescent disco outfits called ourselves the disco union and we were one of three groups that were fighting uh during the titan games it was us obviously the piku guard representing the city uh, and then a group of mercenaries um seemingly known to a couple of the party members potentially there was a like an elven gunslinger known as laura jane it was a uh a dwarven wizard <laughs> <laughs> known as Wenwan Stone Cheeks, uh, and a large two-headed Etten known as Bash and Crash or Bash Crash. Um, they were they were dangerous through the fights. They cleaned up pretty much every one of their fights. Uh, oh yeah, the the Piku Guard did not do well no. uh, in the first round, the second or the second round, uh, with each round basically thinning their number, adding to the stress. Uh, of our friend Squeeb, who's his best friend was being represented in the guard. He'd been conscripted into the guard, but basically through fights. The party defeated a giant, a pair of giant poisonous snakes. They defeated, they defeated the sand methods, uh, representing the wild creatures of cause, the elemental creatures of cause. And then of course the sort of, savages that live out in the wastes were these knoll prisoners uh that's definitely uh i mean the uh, really the titan games really got two birds one stone right they get to attempt to establish the strength of the guard and also deal with some prisoners that they were holding on to <laughs> again great again, city a real chill real city, chill city. <laughs> uh and the pinnacle of the titan games the final round was meant to be a battle royale uh, of those who were left, which meant for the Pentorum, it was the one sort of weaselly little wizard friend who's another important NPC that we should talk about. His name is Krinst. He is a a dragonborn wizard um, who has been good friends with Squeeb and kind of helping Squeeb sneakily learn um, 
magic. Yeah, he's like a sneaky um, tutor of sorts. A little sneaky tutor, good good mate, um, who had been conscripted and did not want to be there. It was just him alone. It was us, the Disco Union, and then it was these three mercenaries. But before the final fight, we were all very worried because we knew that the Piku Guard needed to win for us to be successful. We needed to have the Piku Guard strike the killing blow on us. Before then, Halcyon managed to figure out, along with the support and distraction of the party, that the big Etten, their giant, their two-headed giant, had been paid off. And that if you left your holding cell, you were disqualified. So we just paid them to leave. The Eren was dumb and he left, um, which then led us to be on a one-on-one fight just uh, as it was looking like, cool, we've done it. Um, Ombok, the Pentora member, decided, actually, I was supposed, I was the fourth member of this fighter, fighting crew. I'm going to join in for the final round. And being... Uh, and then what happened, Josh? Being a Pentora member, being effectively, you know, one of the five most powerful people in the city, no one was going to question them as they stepped into the arena. Not a single person. It also made the prospect of the Pico Guard winning a lot more likely. Uh, which left our final confrontation, our heroes... Uh, the wizard apprentice slash friend of Squeeb, Krinst, and Ombok, the head of security, the incredibly powerful seven-foot-tall dragonborn paladin, who uh, went to work. Ombok leapt into the fray uh, using her weapons, her holy paladin magic, and then when that was too slow, used a special ability she had to double her size and just started biting everybody with her draconic maw. This quickly reduced the party to, uh, I think, who was first to go down? Do you remember? Halcyon. Halcyon got eaten, like, in half. That's right. Because <laughs> he wanted to. He was like, He was like, yep, let's get this over with. We knew it was part of the contract. Let's do it. Uh, Halcyon was first to go, then I believe Tria was next, who had her whole arm consumed. Um, then uh, Crixia was knocked unconscious and then tossed into a, a inferno that was blazing in the center of the arena, and then quickly making her way across the battlefield using some kind of ice magic. She launched herself at Squeeb, a small little Bodian boy, who was lost his life in the jaws of this great defender of the city. Yeah, now you're caught up. We all died. That's how he ended 2023, with all of us dying. But it was part of the plan. We're going to be revived, we think. We hope. Please. Well, I mean, we'll please, see. Josh. I'll roll or die <laughs> or something. We'll see. I would love it so much. We are, we are. It seems highly likely we will be revived. We asked and we were told, yes, we will revive you after death. But it would be very funny to do if we, if, if Josh, you decided as a DM, let's do a recap about a bunch of characters that don't matter anymore. Let me tell you, it, name another podcast that kills all the main characters in the first season. I do. And then does a recap about them. Yeah, and then did a recap about <laughs> them kind of an just obituary. to sell it. Just so that when I tell everyone that they have to make new characters, we get to record their reactions as they lose their mind. 
Well, there you have it. You are caught up. You know about the city of Taitam. You know about the world of Koz, the country of Puaha. You know about the characters. Halcyon, the little goblin bard. Tria, the beast hide shifter rogue. You know about Crixia, the uh, human warlock. Uh, and Squeeb, the Bodian, the little created race, the cockroach race, the Bodian time wizard. Uh, you know about important NPCs uh, and everything that's going on in the story. So you can get stuck in with us as we get back in to the main campaign. Uh, we've got some fun stuff planned this year. Um, and hey, go back and listen. It's worth it. I know it's a slog. 30 hours of D&D. But it's a fun slog. A creative fun slog. <laughs> Calling it a slog seems wrong. <laughs> it makes it sound like a chore. It's a party. It's a creative party. It's a... <laughs> Anything else? from you Josh. uh yeah just to round stuff off i i don't know if we've gone super deep into it but i feel like by this point it we've got a solid a solid understanding of our heroes and what they want we understand that that uh halcyon wants that citizen pin but also i think it shows from getting to play act as this new character in disguise he really let off a lot of steam i feel like there was a lot of a lot of halcyon repression that got lit out in that moment where he got to be a different character and for a brief time didn't have to be Halcyon. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big thing for old Halcyon. Uh, we obviously also learnt um, the elven woman, Laura Jane, used to run with Crixia and apparently was the last person to see Squeeb's parents alive. Yep. Um we also, oh, also at the end of the Titan fights, uh, Halcyon playing his character through a real big swing, suggesting that Fitch, who was in the audience, was a spy for the other large city, which we know very, very little about here. There's a whole bunch of irons in the fire. Um, we could sit here for another 30 hours talking about all of these things, I'm sure. Um, but you've got the basics. You've got the tiny I just parts. Want to rattle, just, just a couple more things, a couple more things. Uh, get, get, squeeb, oh, you're getting a feast of squeeb, tiny bites. So many tiny bites. This is a charcuterie platter of tiny bites. We have uh, Squeeb uh, fucked around and found out with his time magic. He created a thing called Veil, which is like, like, like mental radiation. So. Uh, he has learned that he has to be cautious when he's experimenting with his magic. With Crixia, we learned that there were consequences to her, her, her friend, her patron meeting the party as she used a little bit of Squeeb's time magic, an ability that definitely should not be available to her in the combat. Uh, which, again, just raises more questions than answers about this character that she's playing. Uh, and Tria, again... Uh, has just solidified that the thing most important to her in this whole city is getting her kids back. And if this ragtag band of heroes are the ones that are going to help her get there, then she may as well. So be yeah. it. <laughs> then so be it. Um, cool. All right, you're caught up um, in a very, very little bites kind of way. So many little bites. Uh, yeah. It's like dim sum. It's a great story. It's a great story. D&D is very fun. Um, if you're not already, follow us on socials, at Lost Cause Pod, across all our socials. Send us an email if you want to get some more little bites out of us, at lostcosepod yeah, at gmail.com. If you're still hungry after all those little bites. Uh, review us on iTunes or on Spotify or wherever. 
and we shall see you back on Friday for the start of the new campaign. Ooh. Well, no, the continuation of the current well, campaign. Well, unless everyone's dead. Then it is kind of the start of a new Unless campaign. everyone's dead. Yeah, we might go somewhere else. Nah, I think we'll probably be all right, though. Right? Right, Josh? I'd love to go right? into it, but we simply don't have time. <laughs> <laughs>